0: Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message. And share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Good morning. What's going on, everybody? You guys ready? Nah, y'all ain't ready. You guys ready? All right. Hey, uh, I was reminded right now that for all the ladies that... um, are registering for the Radiant uh, Conference, you can go on the app or on the website right now and there is an early bird registration. And so um, we've opened it up to our network and so I promise you that it's going to sell out fast because they're already starting to promote that um, around the network. There's about 30 churches in our network and you don't want to miss out on the opportunity um, to be here because there's going to be a cap because we're... We're having service in here. And I think we're capping it out at 500 And so um, there's an early bird special for all of our ladies. And so make sure that you guys register as soon as possible. That will help take care of the cost of the entire conference. Like a lot, of, a lot of people in our church don't know how much these conferences end up costing our church. But they end up, for us here, um, they end up costing us between 18 and $20,000 to put on. And so there's a lot of cost that goes into it. And so the registration helps take care of the cost. And we've got some phenomenal speakers that are coming in. So you don't want to miss out on that. And then let me just make a really quick side note about our devoted marriage night that we're having here next month. It is going to be a weekend to remember. Because on that Friday night, there is a registration. Because we did open it up for, for our network. And we're flying in my friends Jonathan and Joanne Brozozog from Creative Church in Brooklyn Park, Minneapolis, and so, or Minnesota. And so um, they're a dynamic duo. You guys may remember Jonathan Brozozak when he came here and he spoke. And so him and his wife, Joanne, were bringing her in as well. And they're going to do our devoted night here at Restoration Life on Friday night. And so we're going to have a really, co- really cool um, night of worship and instruction for all married couples and soon to be married couples and so we don't want you guys to miss out but there is a registration from that and i'm telling you right now all of the network they're they're all registering for it and that's going to sell out uh, fast soon. and we made it really affordable for everybody to be able to be a part of that to help cover, cover the cost of all that and then saturday morning that next saturday morning we have a leadership um uh discipleship and training with pastor jonathan Brazilzog. And so he's going to be here Saturday morning, that Saturday morning at 10 a.m. That is free for all of our people that are in leadership and in ministry. Then Sunday morning, he's going to stay. He's going to preach on Sunday morning for us. And then at Man Up Monday, he's going to come and he's going to preach Man Up Monday. So Man Up Monday's back at our house here at Restoration Life. So it's going to be a power-packed weekend. We don't want anybody to forget. um, But register as soon as you can because I promise you it's going to sell out. But before I get into this message, we have a special announcement that I need to make. And I'm going to ask um, Roxanne and Teresa and Pastor Max, all of our pastors to come up. I know Pastor Don's not here. Uh, but I want to have our pastors to come up. And um, I don't know if any of our ex- ex- executive leadership is here. But if you're here or if you're available, I'd love for you to be able to come up too. Um, we're going to make a little bit of an announcement today because uh, there is a, a transition that's taking place. And so uh, we just want to fill everybody in on it. And we're super excited about it. Uh, how many of you know uh, Pastors Max and Teresa? Uh, when they came to us, they started as our youth leaders. Right? So we brought them in. We discipled them up. We trained them up. And they had uh, some great fruit. and it was a great time uh, raising up Restoration Life youth uh, here on campus. And then uh, we released that uh, to a, an awesome team. Uh, of young people to lead that. And then Pastor Max and Teresa were given the task of us coming together and building nightlife, our young adults ministry here at Restoration Life. Uh, and man, nightlife has been crushing it. You guys have been growing and been doing great things. And you may have not recognized, but we're continually, you know, training and promoting and God is promoting them again. And so Pastors Max are the official campus pastors of Restoration Life here in the South Bay, right? And so... When they, they, they have given us the ability and they've released us not only to be able to go on sabbatical but, but also to be able to build the network that we have. The church plants and oversee pastors and do everything that Roxanne and I do in addition to leading Restoration Life fellowship family. Fellowship with Texas and, and uh, Chula Vista and our Spanish ministries and out in Washington. And, and so Pastors Max and Teresa have stepped into more of a campus role, which leaves a space in young adults. And so as of today, being the new Restoration Life Young Adults leaders, why don't you all stand to your feet and welcome the new directors and leaders of Restoration Life Young Adults, Nick and Raylene Huerta. Come on, somebody make some noise. Come on, somebody make some noise. that's that's so good. God is continually building up the next generation of this house because we believe in discipling from within. We believe in raising up people for, from within. We believe in God's call over the people of the house at Restoration Life. And although there are reasons and opportunities for people to be brought in from the outside, um, God's put a, a passion in our heart to disciple from within. And so we're so honored by this young couple. Uh, many of you don't know Raylene is our worship team leader here at Restoration Life. You may not be aware of that, fully aware of that. And, and Nick is our production team leader uh, over everything production that happens here at Restoration Life. But God is continually promoting you and raising you up. And this is a part of the vision of our house, to release fully trained, right, leaders empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the plan of God and destiny over their lives. And this is another great illustration of the vision of this house come into fulfillment. So can you make another big shout of noise today? And I'm going to ask the Restoration Life family, if you would just stretch your hands forward. Uh, We're just going to pray that God continue to use them, to anoint them, to fill them with wisdom beyond their years, creativity, and knowledge to be able to disciple the next radical generation of Restoration Life in the Young Adults Ministry. And so, Father God, we just thank you, God. We thank you for the anointing and the wisdom and the call of God that you've got on this amazing young couple. God, we know that there's so much more that you're going to do in them and through them. And God, we thank you. We thank you and we honor you, Father, for all that you've already done in them and, God, all that you're going to do through them, Lord. God, we pray blessing and favor over their family, blessing and favor over their children, blessing and favor over his business, blessing and favor over the call of God on both of their lives. And God, we pray for a hedge of protection about their family, a hedge of protection upon their marriage. And God, with their lives, they'll glorify you and honor you in Jesus' name. The church shouted, Come on, somebody celebrate with me today. Come on, somebody celebrate. And make some noise. Woo! Love you guys. Man. Max's been doing way too much. <laughs> so Max's been doing, Max and Teresa have been doing way too much. And we needed to release them from some of their obligations and responsibilities. And and what many of you don't recognize a lot is that in order for the next generation to increase, the previous generation has to learn how to decrease. And it's unfortunate that in the kingdom of God that there are a lot of people that are involved in ministry and in leadership that don't decrease so that others may increase. This is a model of leadership that Jesus taught us long ago and it's something that we've been able to see done over and over and over again when we were youth leaders and when we were worship leaders and assistant pastors in our church, we decreased so that others may increase. And to be able to see that happen in our own church over and over and over again. Because we believe that the call of God is not just on, the, on my generation. And I believe that, listen, I, we still got a lot of energy in our generation. Come on, we still got a lot of wisdom, a lot of anointing. We, we may not have as much energy, but we do carry the wisdom. Let me say it to you this, wisdom always wins. Wisdom always wins. But it is our responsibility not only to be wise, but to also make room for the next generation and the next generation after that. And the next generation after that. The future of restoration life is in the nursery right now. The future of restoration life is in kids' life right now. The future of restoration life is in JC life right now. The future of restoration life is in our youth ministry. The future of restoration life is in our young adults. Come on, the future of restoration life is in this house. And so when we think about the future of restoration life, that's the future of the kingdom here in the South Bay. And I've always taught our young people that. Our ceiling is going to be their ground floor. Where we end should catapult them to the next great thing that God wants to do here at Restoration Life. And we want to make room for that. And we want to honor that and celebrate that. So just know it doesn't matter how young you are, God can use you. And let me also say this, it doesn't matter how old you are, God can use you. I'm reminded of an old man by the name of Caleb that wasn't able to enter into the promised man because of eight spies that didn't see what God showed him. And he, and he would declare to God, God, give me, that, give me that promise. Give me that mountain. Give me the, the promised land. I might be old, but I could still inherit your goodness and your blessing. And so don't ever retire from the kingdom of heaven. There is no retirement for us. When we retire, we go to heaven. That, that's what retirement looks like. It's, our retirement plan is out of this world. Come on, somebody. Man, God's good. God's still raising up leaders in this house. Well, we're in our series entitled Red Flag. And I understand that it is Super Bowl Sunday. And tomorrow is Valentine's. And so there's a lot of love in the air. And there's a lot of football in the air. And I'm going to make a couple football references today but I didn't want to wrap this message around a Super Bowl Sunday. I want to wrap this message around the Word of God. And so um, today as we continue in this series Red Flags, um, we were blessed to have Pastor Max open it up last week and to take care of some business um, with ourselves, making sure that we remove the plank out of our own eye and to look at some of the things in our own lives and This is the kind of message that's very challenging, and I hope that it challenges you, and it's very punchy, so don't don't get offended if, if the shoe fits. Come on, wear it. And so as we move with God, one of the things that's important to know is that there will be times in all of our lives where God is very specific on the instruction, and He's also very specific on the warning. And in in the Word of God today, in the book of Joshua chapter 6, what we're going to read is a red flag warning that God gives the children of Israel that we use as an example for us today. The Old Testament, you saw a lot of God's wrath and a lot of God's judgment. And in the New Testament, you see a lot of God's grace and a lot of God's mercy. But make no mistake, God's very clear when He says, a man will reap what he sows. God is not mocked, the Bible says. And so this message today is a message of warning, of God's warning. But next Sunday is going to be a message on God's wrath. And so I want you to kind of buckle in for this, for this message because it, it, it can could, it could get into your stuff. And how many know that we, we need to let God get into our stuff to make the corrections that He needs to make? And so the anchor thought in this series is heed the wisdom of warning. Or reap the consequence of experience. Joshua chapter 6 is the story of the Battle of Jericho. Anybody remember the, the story of the Battle of Jericho? They've come out of the wilderness to a degree. They crossed over an uncrossable river by the miracle of God. They circumcised themselves to come back into a covenant with God as a new generation that God would lead out of the, out of the wilderness through this general of faith by the name of Joshua. And God speaks to Joshua very clearly, very clearly. Gives him very clear instruction, very clear directions. And if you know the story of Jericho, you'll know that, that God gives him a battle plan, a strategy that doesn't make any kind of military sense. Right, he tells him, listen, you're going to march around the city for, for six days and on the seventh day, You're gonna march around the city seven times. You're not gonna make one peep, one noise. You're not gonna attack it. You're not gonna throw rocks at it. You're not gonna throw spears at it. You're not gonna mumble. You're not gonna grumble. You're not gonna do anything. You're just gonna march around in obedience and you're gonna go back to the camp. And on the seventh day, you're gonna march around Jericho for seven times and on the seventh go around, you're gonna blow the trumpets. The people of Israel are gonna yell from the top of their lungs with a shout voice, a loud voice of triumph. The walls are going to collapse. You're going to go into the city and you're going to destroy everything and everyone. And all the spoils of the city, they belong to God. They will not belong to anybody who is a part of the children of Israel. All the spoils belong to God. It's going to go back to God. And if anybody tries to rebuild Jericho, their son is going to die and two of their sons are going to die. So it's, it's a very... Very serious warning. In fact, let's, let's go ahead and read this. Joshua 6, 15-21 through 21 and 26-27 says, On the seventh day they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around the priest sounded the, blast, the trumpet blast and Joshua commanded the army to shout, For the Lord had given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in the house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Verse 18. But keep away. Say, keep away. Come on, say it like you mean. Say, keep away. Does that sound like a warning? It says, but keep away from the devoted things so that you do not. You will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. So get the picture. Joshua was given instruction by God. Then Joshua receives the instruction and repeats the instruction to the children of Israel. Right? You're going to blow the trumpet on the seventh time. The walls are going to come down. You're going to go in and you are going to put to death every living thing. And you are not going to take anything that's devoted to the Lord to yourself. This is the warning. He says, otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. And all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in. And they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old. Cattle and sheep and donkeys. Verse 26. At that time Joshua pronounced a solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild the city Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. Let's bow our head and just pray one more time for God just to speak to us through his living word. Father, we thank you for everyone who's joining us online and for everybody who's here live. God, I pray that you would help us to heed the warnings, to heed the instructions that you leave with us in your living word so we don't suffer the consequence of a bad experience. God, we devote this time to you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you. What a powerful victory that was. What an incredible victory. God gives them the play and they brought home the win. Football reference. God gives them the play and they bring home the win. I wish I could have heard them shout with the voice of triumph. Could you imagine... The amplification that God would have brought to that, to be able to see the walls of Jericho, a fortified, undefeatable city, brought to ruin by the power of God. Not the power of God's people, not the power of their military might, not because they didn't have tanks, they didn't have rockets, they didn't have any of that stuff, but by the power of God's Holy Spirit moving on the obedience of God's people. A fortified city was destroyed and they were able to move in for the win. Is anybody, is everybody following me so far? I wish I could have seen those walls crash down. I wish I could have seen Rahab and her family rescued. I wish I could have seen Joshua and the armies and the Levitical priesthood and the worship team and the ark of the covenant people just high-fiving each other. They're in for the win. Have you ever seen this in a football game, right? They get the touchdown. They're dancing, right? In the in the field. They're shooting, they're falling back. But then there's a flag on the play. And then the crowd goes silent right? It's like, what happened? What happened? Who did wrong? Who did wrong, right? Have you ever seen that in football? Have you ever seen that? Like, man, you thought you won the game. You thought it's all in the bag. It's all good. But there's a flag on the play. Now we know that in football, that most of the flags for, uh, uh, on the play are what color? Yellow. Yellow. But there's a red flag in football as well. And the red flag is used by the coach when he disagrees with the referee's call on the play. It's a red flag moment. It's the coach saying, I'm in disagreement with your call. I'm in disagreement with your call. And I want you to think about that because that's the only football term I'm going to use today. (laughs) But our Heavenly Father has thrown down a massive red flag after the win he's like, I'm in disagreement with the call. Because something took place that shouldn't have taken place because God was very adamant at forewarning Joshua. And Joshua was very adamant at forewarning the children of Israel. And everyone in Israel heard and understood the instruction. They go in. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. They, they, they shout with the voice of triumph. The walls come down. They killed every living thing in the city except for Rahab and her family because they were promised asylum uh, for helping out the the spies of Israel. But then the children of Israel are partying, they're gathering together and now after the win they have to go fight another city. But this city is a weak city. This city is a city that's much smaller, has no fortified places and so Joshua gets ready to send out a two or three thousand uh, military uh, uh, from his his army, and he's like, "This is going to be an easy win." Every, everybody tracking with me so far? It's going to be an easy win. But in Joshua chapter seven, and can you start with verse number one because I want everybody to see what took place. Chapter seven, verse one, and we're gonna start reading there. And this is what the Bible says. Right after the win, right after everybody celebrating, high-fiving, slaughtering everything, living thing, and getting all the treasury and putting it into the treasury of the Lord. (coughs) Joshua sends an army out, but look at how Joshua chapter 7 verse 1 starts out. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. There are certain things that God specifically said are devoted to him and not to them. God was going to give them the land. God was going to give them the victory. God was going to give them a lot. But he wasn't going to allow them to have anything that was devoted to the Lord. Is everybody tracking with me so far? Whatever is devoted to the Lord is the Lord's and not ours. But the Israelites, can you guys put that scripture up? Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful <coughs> in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. And so the Lord's anger burned against who? Israel. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was one guy that did the wrong. It was one person that did the wrong. Achan. Everybody say Achan. Achan Achan was the one that did something detestable to the Lord. What did he do? He took what was devoted to God and he kept it for himself. That's what God is saying. And then he reads down the lineage of Achan. He reads down... um, Son of Carmi, son of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, who took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Achan. No, what does the Bible say? It burned against Israel. Now, I'm going to make a point on that next week, because we're going to talk about God's wrath next week. But I want to look at God's red flag today. And then, in verse 2, now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel. And told them to go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied it out. And when they returned to Joshua, they said, "Not not all the army will have to go against the Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, so uh, we don't grow weary. The whole ar- uh, so we don't weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed. Now, if you don't know what the word routed means, it literally means they retreated. They retreated, afraid, right? So the so the Bible says that. So about three thousand went up. But they retreated, right? They were routed by the men of Ai who killed about 36 of them. And they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries. And struck them down on the slopes. And at this the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. What should have been a victory, an easy victory, turned into a total disaster. How in the world could this have happened? In Joshua chapter 7 verse 6. The Bible says that this is the way that Joshua responds. The Bible says that Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. Why? Because they didn't know why they lost. They just had this massive victory. They just had the success story, the biggest win of the day, right? The Super Bowl game was won, right, by the team that, that God wanted to win. And let me just say, God doesn't care about football, all right? God cares about our souls. All right, let me just make that clear. Um, <laughs> so, AI is a small, insignificant army who easily defeats the children of the Most High God, who easily defeats the children of God. The same children that just defeated the most impenetrable fortress known to them is now defeated by a smaller insignificant army because of one person that decides to disobey God's red flag instruction. One man disobeyed and 36 funerals needed to happen. One man disobeyed and the army was defeated. One man disobeyed. Make this real crystal clear today. This is not a message for unbelievers. This is a message for believers that want to honor God with their lives, that want to be obedient to God's word over their lives, and want to make sure that they don't do anything to impose the wrath of God over them. Make no mistake, God still judges. He still judges. He's still a holy God a just god he still judges sin for what sin is i know that we're in a season of love but it's because he loves us that he judges our sin we think if there's love there is no judgment we think that if there's love that there's no need for repentance That there is, if there's love, that there is no discipline that needs to be had. But God even says it over and over again. It's because I love you that I discipline you. It's because I love you that I don't let you get away with it. It's because I love you that I will expose it. Not to hurt you, but to heal you. And so make no mistake, we still serve a God who still judges His people. In fact, the Bible says, and this is where a lot of people that aren't strong Christians will, this is their favorite verse. Judge not that ye be not judged. They'll even use the King James Version. Right? Judge not that ye be not judged. Right? But the Bible, they don't read the full context of that. The Bible says that judgment starts in God's house. With God's people. That we have a responsibility to judge one another according to God's word. Oh, you don't want to hear this. But this is a story that we need to learn from because if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves saying things and doing things that sound good, that almost seem Christian, but are evil. Without even knowing that they're evil. Have you ever done something wrong and you didn't know that it was wrong? Right? It's like like when you're a young guy and... And, and, and you ask a girl if she's pregnant and she's not pregnant? That, that, that's just like, like how many men have ever done that? Like, like, like I did that one time. Roxanne said, don't ever ask a girl how far along she is. Like you just never, like I didn't know. Okay. Right? And I felt the wrath of that. And I never did it again. But sometimes... You don't know. Like, we're, we're all raised differently. We, we all have different etiquettes. We all come from different cultures. And what, what might have been okay for my upbringing isn't necessarily for your upbringing. And we don't necessarily always see things eye to eye when it comes to etiquette and things we should be doing and things that we shouldn't be doing. But in God's word, He makes it very clear don't touch the devoted things that belong to God, they're God's, they're not yours. This is a good singles message too but anyway (laughs) and so this story should serve as a warning and there's a couple of points that I want to make but I'm only gonna make one point today I'm gonna make one point today and then I want to do a little teaching on on something that really stood out to me and then next Sunday we're gonna bring it home is that okay all right the first thing that I want you to hear and everybody needs to hear this, is that success, great success, often breeds great temptation. Great success often breeds great temptation. And you, you could see this in Joshua, in the army, and in what's taking place in the story. The thrill of victory was replaced by the agony of defeat. Compared to Jericho, Ai should have been um, an easy victory, but it was a shameful defeat. And this shouldn't surprise us because the same thing happens to us today. This is a story about life. One minute we could be living on the mountaintop. We could be living in victory. And the next moment we could be faced with the agony of defeat. And usually the distance between a great victory and the agony of defeat is one bad step. One wrong move. One bad decision from experiencing the judgment and the wrath of God on our lives. One moment we could be like Elijah standing on Mount Carmel calling down fire on the false prophets and winning. The next moment we could be hiding in a cave like Elijah was because Jezebel put a green light on him. He went from a mountaintop victory to the darkness of a cave living in fear because of one bad decision. One moment we could be drawing our swords and protecting our faith in Jesus like Peter the apostle did in the garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out the blade and he's like, nuh-uh. Chale, Holmes. Well, no, whatever. But he goes, nuh-uh. You're not, you're not going to take Jesus. And, and he, he cuts off the centurion's ear and, and Jesus is like, Petey, why? Well, he grabs it boom, come on, I got to go to the cross, right? And then the other moment, he's denying Jesus. So one moment you're down for Jesus, and the next moment you're denying Jesus. And so this happens throughout life, and it happens to many of us. One moment we're on fire for God, passionately pursuing the call of God in our lives, right? Before service, we're in the front. We're singing. We're dancing. We're glorifying God. We're raising our hands. We have our Bibles. Next moment, we're dating. We're just standing like this from now on because the relationship took the fire out of us. One bad decision. One bad decision from having an AI moment. You see, you can never allow yourself to believe that you or me or our team or our church or any other person is beyond the reproach. Because success breeds temptation. And when you're successful and when you feel like you're living in the favor of God, the blessing of God, and you're doing good, and I hope that you are. I hope that you are. I hope that you're doing good. I hope that you're thriving in your faith. I hope that you're thriving in your walk with God. That when God moves, you move just like that. I I hope that you're honoring God's word over your life. I hope that you're giving God your best at all times. I I hope that you're living in humility, you know, before the presence of God. I, I hope that you're going after all that God has for your planned future. I hope that you are. But this is a warning for those of you that are living in the success of that, in the blessing of that, in the favor of that, to never let down your guard. Because success breeds temptation. It's tempting. Why? Because you've arrived. Every discipline that you had, every conviction that you had, helped you get to the place of favor and blessing that God called you into. But if you're not careful, and listen to me clearly, you can apply this to your business, you can apply this to your family, you can apply this to relationships, you can apply this to your walk with God. The moment you let down your guard, you begin to compromise your convictions. And it's a dangerous place to be in. Think about Kobe Bryant, the top of his game. Committed adultery. He let down his guard. Think about Michael Jordan and what he went through. Think about all these famous people. They get to this this place of of success and favor and, and, and celebrityism. And then they do one stupid thing. And they lose it all. Why? Because they let down their guard. I don't know how many pastors I've seen over the last couple of years fall from grace because... They, 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 they're in the most thriving church, the biggest church, the, the fastest growing church in America. Next thing you know, they've slept with this person, that person, and that person in their church. They've fallen from the glory of God. And nobody, absolutely nobody, is exempt from that reproach. Are you hearing me today? Nobody's exempt from that. Nobody, absolutely nobody is exempt from that. And so trust me when I say we, whether you're successful in business... Whether you're successful in in, in relationship, whether you're successful in ministry, um, if you let down your guard, you will grow complacent in your disciplines. You'll start guarding what's important because you think that you're stronger than you actually are. And look at somebody and tell them, you're not that strong. Now, I want to say, yeah, I'll never. Jesus said... Uh, Peter told Jesus, "I'll never leave you. I'll never backslide. I'll never deny you." (laughs) Famous last words. Proverbs chapter three, verse three through six, is this: "Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man." Then um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Uh, In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. The devil is always looking for an open opportunity to see you fall. And it doesn't matter how, how long you've been saved, doesn't matter how much you love God, doesn't matter how much you love your family, doesn't matter how much you love the ministry, doesn't matter how much you love serving, doesn't matter. The enemy is looking for an open door of opportunity to help you come to a place of ruin. Because with success and triumph breeds great temptation. Paul writes a red flag warning to the church in Corinth. Watch this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse one through 15 says, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea. He's talking about the wilderness experience, all right, about around the same time, about 40 years before But he's talking about the wilderness experience of the children of Israel. And he says this, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied accompanied them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil as they did. They had the very manifest presence of God. That's who they walked with. That's who they moved with. That's who they rolled with. And yet many of them died in the wilderness. Why? Because they let down their guard and they did things that they weren't supposed to do and they found themselves on the receiving end of God's wrath. Verse 7, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people that sat down and ate and drank and got up to indulge in revelry, partying, right? We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. Now when Paul the Apostle is talking about sexual immorality, he's talking about homosexuality and heterosexual sin. Make no mistake, homosexuality... Biblically is sexual immorality. It is a sin that carries a judgment attached to it. Now some of us would say, well, 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 that's, yeah, I can understand homosexual sin. What about heterosexual? Sin is sin in God's eyes. See, this is where a lot of people get it wrong when they start talking about homosexuality. And they were like got to test homosexuality. Got to test heterosexual sin just as much as he does homosexual sin. Yeah. Sin is sin. It'll take you to hell. And what does the Bible say about sexual immorality right? He says do not commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day how, how serious is God about not committing sexual immorality, 23,000 of them died in the wilderness because of it. The Bible doesn't say, oh, they just died. No. It's pretty clear. God killed them. This is the judgment of God in the Old Testament. Right? God was serious, and he still is serious today, about the house of God honoring the word of God. And so in verse 9, the Bible says we should not test Christ. Christ. Right after that, right after dealing with sexual immorality in the New Testament where God's grace and mercy is, Paul says, do not test God. Say it again. Now he's not just talking about sexual immorality. He's talking about a lot of other things. But sexual immorality is included in that. For those of you that don't know heterosexuals, fornication or sex before marriage is sexually immoral to God. And it carries with it a price to pay. So if you don't heed the warning, you will have the experience of the consequence. Am I talking to anybody here today? All right. Can we we move on? Because I don't have that much time and I really want to talk about something here. Because when you think about testing God, how many of you have ever tested God? I mean... um, because this is a thing that I think a lot of us do and we don't even know that we do. And this is one of the things that I really wanted to bring out. And I wish I had more time to bring it out today, but I don't. But I do want to say a couple of things that is a massive red flag warning to us today. Because some of us may be doing something that we're not supposed to be doing. And we, were, we are going to get busted by God for it. And I don't want anybody to, to get busted by God for something that you didn't know was wrong. Because there's the sin of omission and the sin of commission. Right? So if you're like, well, I didn't know it was a sin. doesn't matter. You still got to be judged by it. So here's a red flag warning. What does it mean to test God? What does it mean to test God? And are we allowed to test God? Like, are we allowed to test God in anything? Well, there's only one place in the entire Bible that you and I are instructed and allowed to test God, and it has to do with finances. In Malachi chapter three, the prophet speaks on behalf of God and he tells the people of Israel that God said, test me in this, right? Bring all the tithe, put it up, Malachi chapter three, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I don't know about you but my tithe and my offerings and my generosity, they belong in this house. This is where I serve. This is where I'm fed. This is where I'm discipled. This is where I'm counseled. This is where I'm restored. And so God says I'm allowed to test them. So when I'm going through a financial difficulty, I'm going to bring out my checkbook and lie like, all right God, I know that I'm allowed to test you in this. And I know that you will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing in such a way that there won't be enough room to store it. So here it is, God, I'm testing you with giving. And God allows me to do that. But nowhere else in the Bible. And Paul reminds us, do not test Christ. Do not test God. It is in your best interest to understand what that means and to stay as far away from it as you can. Because there's, a, uh, there's another, uh, there's, a, there's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Gosh, this is going so fast. Where God commands Israel not to test them. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did in Massa. Now, this second kind of testing is where we find all of ourselves in. When we do this. And what is testing God? It's, it, 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 it's when... It's when we have a doubt, but we really want something that hasn't been released to us by God, but we want it so bad that we'll say something like this and we'll say it in prayer to God. God, if you love me, you'll make her fall in love with me. God, if you want me to have that job, you'll open the door for me to be able to walk through and to get the job that I've been asking you for. But if you don't give me that job, then I know that that job is not for me. And whether or not you know this, you're actually testing God. Because you're asking for a sign. I'm going to let this marinate for a little bit. I don't care if I go over. Listen to this. God, if you want me to have this in my life, then this is the way that it will look. And if it looks like this, then I'll take that as a sign that you want me to receive it and walk in it and do because you know the desires of my heart. Now I know some of you are going, wait a minute, I do that a lot. God, show me a sign, right? God, if it's you, she'll wear red lipstick today at work. God, if it's you, he'll bring me Valentine's roses even though I'm not his Valentine. And and we ask for a sign from God. Let me, let me show you how that looks like sometime. God, if 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 you want me to pursue him, then God make me attractive to him. Well, he's not saved, and that should be enough sign found in his word to tell you that you shouldn't approach that individual. You don't need a sign. You just need to be obedient to God's word. But we constantly ask for signs. And whether we understand it or believe it or not, we are in danger of testing God. And a lot of times what we'll, what we'll do is we'll say, um, well, I'm going to do this because I know God is with me. God is for me. But it never was le- you were never led by God to do it. You were led by your own desire to do it, but then you get in trouble for whatever you've done, and then you expect God to rescue you from that trouble, when in reality, his rescue will come in the form of discipline. Do you remember when Jesus was being tempted by the devil when he started his ministry? you remember what Satan tempted Jesus with? Let me, let me just read it to you, Matthew chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. The devil took him to the holy city, and had him, holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is written, you will not put your God to the test. Listen. Jesus didn't have to prove God's love. The fact that he was standing on planet earth in physical form was the evidence of God's love. The word of God was in the beginning, then it became flesh. Satan wanted a sign for Jesus to prove that God loved him. But Jesus already understood God's love. He was walking in God's love. He is God's love. And he said, you will not test my father. My Father doesn't have to prove to you that He loves me. My Father doesn't have to prove to you that He's for me. My Father doesn't have to prove to you that He's in me. All the proof I got was the sign of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the only sign I have ever needed. I don't need to see another sign. I just need to be obedient to this. And if I'm obedient to this, it'll lead, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a guide to my path. If I need to make a decision and I need wisdom, I go to God in prayer, I go to his word, I go to leaders that I can trust, then I make a decision that's biblical. That's not political. That's not my own personal preference. Not my own personal opinion, not what I think is best for me, but what God says is best for me. Because a lot of times, honestly, I don't even know what's best for me. Honestly, a lot of times, you don't even know what's best for you. But when you are on the mountaintop of success, the temptation is there. And it's looking for an opportunity to drag you down. Let me give you another illustration. I remember years ago, we could have the worship team come back up. Um, I remember years ago... I was, Roxanne and I were on a journey to health. And uh, in like two months I lost, I think we went into it like I was like 260. I was 260 pounds. And um, my daughter sent me a picture of that time just the other day. She was like, no way were you that big. I was like, way? I mean, it's in the picture. It's right there. And I think in like two and a half months I went, I went from 260, uh, three months, I went from 260 to 185. And then everybody said I looked like a crack baby. I don't know what that meant, but it was like, they were like, oh honey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, why? I felt good. She's like, you don't look good. And I'd go home and tell baby, people think I look sick. She's like, honey, you look fine. You're fine and me, that's all that matters. I was like, all right, cool." But what ended up happening is that, man, I lost this weight, I felt good. I was able to do things that I wasn't able to do before. My joints didn't hurt. I was, man, I started doing a lot of stuff. And, and next thing you know, we'd go out to eat, right? I was at like 1,200 calories a day, just working out in the morning, working out at night, feeling good, looking good, changed my clothing, trashed all my, all, all my, you know, MC Hammer pants and everything else and just got rid of them. And, and I remember going, all right, let's, what do you want to eat today? I was like, man, I want a cheap meal. Let's go to Fat Burger. She's like, okay. But it's a cheap meal. Meal. I was like, yeah. Meal. I get it. Let's go. Can I get a, can I get a double king fat with bacon and cheese and chili cheese fries with the fat fries and a Diet Coke? Because i got to keep it holy. And the next thing you know, I'm like, I ate and I felt I felt kind of gross at first. But then I was like, yeah, still shedding the weight, keeping it off. And then the next week it was like, hey, let's go out and eat. And it was like, let's get some breakfast. And so it went from a cheat meal to a cheat day. Then it went from a cheat day to a cheat week. Then it went from a cheat week to a cheat month. Then it went from a cheat month to a cheat year. And every discipline that I had... Because I thought I had this, I got this, I can do this. I just blew right back up. Because I let go of my disciplines. Because I didn't heed the warnings of my wife. So I suffered the consequence of my fat. I'm going to eat today, though. It's a cheat day. Ram's going to win. All right, here we go. Essentially, the devil was telling Jesus, prove God's love by testing your father. And listen to me, saints, don't ever test your father's love. Don't ever say, hey, if you love me, you'll do this. That's testing God. Or, God, if you want me to have this, then open this door and close this door. I don't know why people pray like that. But you're actually asking for a sign. Let me tell you what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11:29. 29. He says, as the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is the wicked generation. It asks for a sign but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. So what is Jesus saying? I'm not gonna give you any signs. You only need one sign. And, he, and he, re- he referenced the sign of Jonah. But can I tell you what the sign of Jonah was? The sign of Jonah wasn't the disobedience. The sign of Jonah was the disobedience that took Jonah into the belly of a whale for one. Day? No. Two days? No. Three days? Yes. And then on the third day he was spat up on the shores and went to go preach against Nineveh and Nineveh, all of Nineveh got saved and revival took place. What was Jesus saying by the sign of Jonah? Saying the sign of Jonah is a type and shadow of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He took all of our disobedience to the cross crucified it and conquered it and resurrected on the third day to anoint us and empower us to be preachers of the gospel to this generation. That is a sign of Jonah. And he says, you don't need another sign. What was Jesus saying? I'm the only sign that you need. Come on. He's saying, church, stop asking for signs. God already gave you an empty tomb. God already gave you all the promises found in his word. God gave you his Holy Spirit. You don't need a sign because you got the sign giver living in you and with you and is for you. Ultimately, the difference between these two kinds of signs is faith. It's faith. And so Paul goes on to say, do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel." These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the age has come. So if you think, if you think you're standing firm, watch what he says. Be careful. You do not fall. Why? Because with great success comes great temptation. And the man who thinks that he stands by his own power is heading for a shameful fall. Never is the believer in a greater danger of a fall than after a victory. And I see so many people here on fire for God. I want you to stay on fire for God. Don't don't allow yourself to relinquish any of the disciplines or convictions that have helped you stay strong in the faith. Be careful never to provoke God and to do something for you. He never approved to begin with. Paul said to his disciple Timothy in 1 Timothy 6... 11 through 12, he says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith and love, perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, to which you have been declared so well before so many witnesses. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, so humble. Humble, it means to submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. Why? Because God always makes an escape for the temptation that you deal with. Did you hear that? When you're being a temp- tempted with, with a, a previous addiction, understand that your only hope and your only escape is Jesus. Come on, when you're being tempted and you feel like you can't handle the temptation, we need to flee immorality and run to God. Right? He's made a way for you to escape. Jesus is our only escape in every situation of temptation. You don't have to give in into lust anymore. Jesus has made a way for you to escape. You don't have to give into addictions anymore. Jesus is your escape. You don't have to live life in fear any longer. Jesus is your champion. He's already won the battle. He's already won the war on your behalf. You live in the victory of Christ over your life. We don't have to live a life of shame over our past. He's already given us a great future. Jesus is our escape. Whenever we face temptation, we have to remind ourselves and declare that I am not alone. But with great success, we have to be aware of great temptations. So what are you facing today? What are you facing that God's called you out of? What temptation are you going through? What what are you navigating through as the family of God? What are you dealing with as an individual, as a believer, as a husband, as a wife? What temptations are you battling with? Are those temptations in your mind, are they causing you to question God? To question God's word? to, To question God's promises over your life? Run from the temptation by running to God. Run from the temptation by running to God. God, what does your word say? God, in prayer, what do you say? God, what does the man of God say, the woman of God say? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? And I'm going to respond in that manner. If I could have every head bite every eye closed in reverence to God. Maybe you're, you're here this morning and man, the temptation is real right now. It's strong. It's, man, maybe you have tested God. Maybe you've allowed yourself to test God in areas of your life. You never even thought you were testing God and maybe that's you. And today's a day that you know what? We repent. We turn away from that and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to pray that way anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to view life and circumstance that way anymore. I'm going to honor God's word. I don't need a sign. I've got all the signage I need on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're just in a struggle right now and you need prayer. You need strength. You need wisdom. You need guidance. Maybe some of you need A little bit more discipline and self-control maybe some of you here you're 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 navigating through some of the, the hurts of the past and they keep coming up and they keep up running behind you maybe you need to stop looking in the rearview mirror of your life and start focusing on Jesus who's ahead of you and leading you and wants you to move with him wants you to run with him wants you to go in the direction that he wants you to go in stop saying to yourself I'm strong enough now stop saying to yourself I got this right okay God you got me this far I got it from here on out stop saying those things because you're not beyond reproach none of us are maybe today you just need strength if that's you if any of this resonated with you today would you just stand to your feet right where you are and say you know what man I need God's power working in me right now I need the strength of heaven in my heart and in my mind right now. I'm dealing with stuff that's coming at me left and right. I haven't fallen but God I want to, I want to strengthen the guardrails of my life. I want to strengthen the Word of God in my life. I want to strengthen my relationship with God in my life. I don't want to fall. I don't want to test God. I don't want to experience the wrath of God because this isn't just about you. It's also about everybody around you. And maybe that's you today. If you're standing to your feet, We're going to sing a song of worship. We just want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray God's strength, God's wisdom, God's direction over your life. These altars are going to be open as we sing a song of of worship and we just want to lay hands on you and believe God for you. Come on. Come on. You need prayer. You need prayer, man. It's a struggle. It's a struggle it's a struggle come on I don't want to fight God on on something I know I shouldn't be doing, I just need to walk away from it I know God didn't call me to something that I've been looking into maybe I need to just repent from going in that direction and come back to my senses in Christ and whatever God's leading you to do right now let's find ourselves in His presence Jesus, Jesus, we need your strength, God. Come on, come on. God, we never want to test You. We only want to be obedient to Your Word. We understand, Father, we don't need signs because You've already given us instructions. Father, I pray, God, that as a church, as leadership, and as the body of Christ, that we would honor Your Word above anything else that we encounter in this walk with you. We would honor you to such a degree in your living word, God. And that's the first place that we run to for instruction is what you have to say. Father, I just speak life and blessing and favor over the family of God this morning. We just thank you for that, God. Thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just want to do one more thing. If I could, if I could have my wife and Max and Teresa, if you guys maybe can come over here. Over here to the front. I'm going to ask my daughter. Where's my daughter? Just seeing if you would come over here. I'm going to ask if if you would come. Anthony, I want you to come with her as well. I want you to come over here. I'm going to ask you to, to come forward and uh, where's our Where's our prayer team? Our prayer team's over here. Our leadership is over here. Um, I know Timmy, Vanessa, you're very close to my daughter, and any of any other one of you that very close to Justine. I know Brittany and, and Abel. And um, my my daughter's going in for surgery this Wednesday, uh, brain surgery, and uh, they're going to remove a tumor in her brain. And are they doing the biopsy as well? Um and so we want we want to pray uh for God's favor over you for God's peace over you. Um I know I know that this can be a scary time for you and I know that that there are a lot of variables that the doctors have shared with you and you've shared with us. But we just trust God. We trust God more than we trust a doctor. We trust God more than we do a medical procedure. We trust God for the good report. Because as Christians, we're in a win-win situation. We are in a win-win situation. And honey, I want you to know that God's hand is all over you. It's been all over you since you were a little girl, since you were birth. you are a miracle of God. And God's not stopped doing miracles in your life. He's proven himself, not because you've tested him, but because he's revealed himself to you in so many beautiful ways, and guess what? He's not going to stop revealing himself even more. And so together, if I could have our church family just stretch your hands forward, we're just going to pray. We're just going to believe God. I just believe the peace of God over you as a mom. I just believe for the peace of God over you as a daughter. I believe for the peace of God over you as a woman of God. As a, as a woman that has been fearfully and wonderfully made by our Creator. And so, Father, right now I speak life and healing. We rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus. We come against all sickness. We come against doubt. We come against fear. For you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And, God, we just declare right now in the name of Jesus for healing... And restoration under the blood of Jesus God I just thank you in advance for the healing I thank you in advance for the miracle I thank you in advance for the peace and God together we will celebrate we will celebrate the victory because you're an awesome God God we'll hold truth as a promise I remember when you were a little girl. And God told me when you were a little girl that you belonged to him and not to me. And that still rings true 30 years, almost 30 years later. He loves you more than any of us ever will put together. Because you are precious in God's hands and precious in God's sight. So you have an army. An army praying for you. And interceding on your behalf. Because you're you're loved so much. And it's all going to work out for the good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Have a great time today. We love you and we'll see you on Sunday. And we will keep everybody updated on social media what's happening but on Wednesday morning if you could lift her up in prayer as a family we would be honored by that we're just believing God for the report of the Lord amen God bless you turn around give somebody a high five we love you we'll see you next Sunday And right don't forget DNA starts this Tuesday DNA let's go